You're listening to the American Alpine Club podcast. This is Hannah Provo, content manager at the American Alpine Club. In this episode, I interview Natalia Grossman, bouldering world champion and winner of the Bates Award. We get into competitions and pressure, mental tactics, and finding your best climbing partners. Natalia is definitely a person to watch in this upcoming World Cup season. Hi, Natalia. We're here today because you've won this year's Robert Hicks Bates Award alongside Sean Bailey, which honors young climbers for exceptional skill and outstanding promise for the future. You're joining the ranks of legends like Chris Sharma, Tommy Caldwell, and Kai Leitner, who have also won the Bates Award in the past. The search committee was particularly impressed by your win at the Bouldering World Championships in Moscow last year and your overall astounding comp season, including back-to-back wins at two Salt Lake City World Cups in May of 2021. But tell us a little bit more about you. What gets hidden or underrepresented about you as a climber or as a person when we focus on how much you slay at comps? What else should we know about Natalia? Wow, that's a very broad question. (laughs) Um, I would have to say that one thing I think that's overlooked is how important school is to me as well as climbing and how I, I also like love competing, but at the end of the day, I I wouldn't do it if I wasn't having fun. And I like the competition aspect, but it's so much more than a comp for me. It's about like traveling, getting to meet new people, experiencing new cultures, and just like the all-around experience versus like I'm here to climb, I'm here to win kind of mindset. Um, that's not something I really focus on when I'm competing. Mm-hmm. So you're studying psychology, right? Yeah, and business. Very cool. Um, what do, What do you think you want to do with that? I'd love to be a therapist and have my own practice someday, or work in social work. Do you see those like studying psychology influence your climbing at all? Yeah, um, I took a sports psychology class a couple semesters ago, which was definitely beneficial. And then I just like like learning how our mind works and there's a lot to learn about our mind. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so a little bit about more about you. What's your favorite movement style or is it your job to love all movement in climbing? Ooh, I would say lately I really just like a good slab where you have to be very technical and just patient. I think that's something that I haven't always worked on. And like when I first started climbing, since I didn't really have a coach, I didn't gain that like foundation for technique. And so now that I'm older, it's like I'm going back and learning how to improve my technique. And I think that's been really fun. Nice. Um, So it seems like learning in general is really important to you. Yeah, I guess so. Um, So another question is, what's a boulder or a route or an accomplishment that flies under the radar that you're secretly most proud of? Yeah, so there's this boulder that I actually sent outdoors um, at Rocky Mountain National Park in 
September of 2020. So like a, a while ago now, but this boulder, like I projected it for like four months kind of. And just because it wasn't like the hardest grade, like I don't think people really like took note of it. But for me, it was like a big accomplishment because I had actually hurt myself on that boulder. And like that boulder just really tested my mental like ability. And like I definitely wanted to give up a couple times and like I wasn't patient and like at other points and like wanted to go back and then I'd like re-injure myself. And so it's just a very long struggle. So when I actually sent it, I was really psyched and I think I was just more proud that I had stuck with it and persevered since I've realized that sometimes I just like think a boulder is like too hard for me and I give up kind of easily um, like in training and stuff. So that's something I've also been working on is like learning to embrace the challenges on like the day to day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Thanks for telling that story. So give us a glimpse into what's ahead. We're going to talk talk competitions now. Um, what thoughts and feelings are going through your head as you prepare for the upcoming World Cup circuit? Yeah, I definitely have like lots of emotions when I think about like the upcoming season and like I go through phases where like right now I'm just super excited and I feel really prepared but then there's other times where I get like really worried or stressed about like living up to my own expectations and that's something I've been trying to work on but more than anything I'm just excited to like see everyone again and get the chance to be put into that competition mindset since I actually haven't done a real competition since world championships so it'll it's been a good break but I am ready to get back to it for sure. Yeah. So how will last season inform your training or strategy for this upcoming season? I think last season I kind of surprised myself and like I I was training, but like not really. (laughs) And so I've definitely like taken my training a little bit more seriously this year. At the same time, I think that's another reason why I sometimes feel pressure. It's because I am taking it more seriously. And so I'm like, I'm putting in all this extra work. I want to, like, I'm hoping it pays off, I guess. But yeah, I think more than anything, it just gives me confidence to know that I, I can do well and I can compete against some of the best climbers in the world. Do you have a preference? Do you prefer competing in bouldering or lead? Yeah, it's kind of funny because up until like the summer, this past summer, I like hated lead competitions and they used to always stress me out a lot. And then something just like switched and I found a way to really enjoy it. And I think I was actually enjoying competing in ropes more than boulders um, just because I just felt so happy on the wall. I don't really know how to describe it, but knowing that I only had one chance used to kind of stress me out, but I feel like I was able to like turn that around and be like, okay, I have one chance. Like, let's give it everything. And it was just really fun. But 
at the end of the day, like I am a boulder at heart. So maybe bouldering. I don't know. They're they're very different and I like them both a lot. Mm -hmm. So what about outdoor climbing? Where does outdoor climbing fit into your goals? I know you had that kind of that big summer where you did a bunch of bouldering in Rocky Mountain National Park. I've seen you done a lot of bouldering at Joe's recently. How do you integrate outdoor climbing into your into your comp world? And then how do you balance dreaming big and realistic goal settings across those spaces? Yeah, if I I guess if I'm honest, like I haven't really climbed outside recently, um, just because I have been more focused on training. But after the last competition season, I took a couple months where I would just go outdoor climbing on the weekends, and it's just a nice way to switch it up and to spend time in nature and with friends. But I'd say it's kind of harder to balance it than like I thought. I don't know. I haven't put much thought into it. And like I have no major goals outdoor climbing right now. Like there's nothing where I like fall asleep thinking about like I want to do that boulder. There's <laughs> definitely like some climbs I want to put some time into, um, even just like around Salt Lake. And so I think once it's warmer, um, I'll be able to just go check out those boulders in like a couple of weeks. But for now, I'm more focused on competition climbing. But that's not to say that you can't do both. Like there's a lot of people who do both. And I think there is like a time and, and a place to like do both. And it's just right now is not the time to be doing both for me personally. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of have seasons to do one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. But with that experience with climbing outside and crushing all of those um, double-digit boulders recently, has climbing outside like informed your tactics when you're in competition or vice versa? Has like comp climbing changed the way you climb outside? Um, I'd say like when I was climbing outdoors a lot in Rocky, my fingers just got like way stronger since all the holds are little crimps pretty much. So I think that made me just stronger like down on down pulling like small holds. So that was cool. And then when you're trying to send like a project, it's kind of the same as like when you're trying to send a boulder in five minutes. Like you have to dive into that same like headspace and just be very focused. So I think they both like translate in that sense. Yeah, so th this that leads me perfectly into my next question. <laughs> um, like a lot of our listeners are more recreational climbers who are aspiring to be trying hard outside, but they struggle a lot with the incredibly complex mental side of trying hard and staying focused. So let's dive into that. What's your secret to the try hard? Is it a breathing technique? Is it a type of way of thinking? Is it a perspective? And then like, is it different for bouldering? Like, do you have to try hard differently for bouldering or lead climbing? Yeah, for me, when I'm going to try hard, like, on a boulder or I want to mentally prepare to try hard, I normally just, like, take a deep breath and close my eyes and just, like, slow down a bit. But that's different for everyone. Like, I know some people who – and, like, it even varies for me sometimes. Sometimes that just means, like, listening to, like, some music that gets me psyched or just – listening to my friends, encouraging me. I think there's lots of ways to like get into that try hard zone. Um, and then, yeah, rope climbing is 
kind of the same, um, but a little different just because when I'm like on the route, normally I don't, unless it's like a climb I've tried before, I don't make that shift while I'm on the wall. Like I do it beforehand. Um, if it is a project though, and like I've been on it before, sometimes just like taking a breather at like the last shakeout right before the crux section and just composing myself and getting ready to like give it everything is mm-hmm. beneficial. Okay. So what I'm hearing is there's like a lot of an element of being calm before you can like really put a lot of energy. Like I think that duality between like calmness or versus like exerting a ton of energy when you're pulling a really hard move, right? Yeah. And I don't think like being calm works for everyone. That just works for me. What about um, try hard in comp versus rock objectives? Yeah, I'd say it's it's different because when you're in a comp, it's like you only have like four or five minutes. And so right when the time starts, it's like, okay, you have to be ready to try hard versus with a climb outdoors, you're kind of, you know, in the back of your mind that it's always going to be there. So it can sometimes be harder to like get into that zone just because you're like, well, I really have all day or like all month or my whole lifetime to like do this climb there's not that added pressure so I think it's a little different and it can be harder to like get into that zone if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense so something about the time crunch makes it like easier to get into that try hard yeah and everyone like when you're in a competition everyone around you is kind of in that try hard uh, mode versus when you're outdoor climbing sometimes you're just trying like a more moderate climb or you're I don't know for me when I go outdoor climbing normally I'm not like I'm going here to send this boulder it's more just about like having fun and like trying what seems cool so it's not like I always have to be in that super try hard mode um, in order to send yeah that makes a lot of sense um, so you've alluded to it a little bit, but I've, and I've also heard, previously heard you talk about your struggle, struggles in competition with confidence and self-doubt sometimes. Is this a conversation that is open and evolving in the comp space in general? Like, do you find yourself able to talk to your team and competitors about this? No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Why not? I don't think, I think it's being talked about like more, but I'd still say, like, I talk to, like, I guess my close friends and, like, coaches about, like, the mental side of climbing and, like, if I'm struggling or whatnot. But I don't think it's very, I don't know, mainstream. Like, I I don't often see people talking about their struggles, like, on social media or in podcasts or just, yeah, talking about it in general. But I think as long as you have people who you can talk to, like, at the end of the day, and, like, people can always talk to me if they want. Um, (laughs) Just, yeah, having, like, people who do care and who can help you Um, because, yeah, climbing is always going to be hard on the mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, What, I mean, what do you and your friends and your coaches talk about when it comes to that? Just like strategies for building confidence? Like, are you, are you finding that a lot of people, your close friends are also 
struggling with confidence and self-doubt in the competition space? I'd say definitely like comes and goes. Like I'm not going to, like I'm not, I don't have like low confidence every day. There's just like some weeks where that are just like harder than others. Um, And I think just having like my coaches or friends like reassure me and be like, you know, I see the work you're putting in just because you're having a hard couple of days climbing, like does not mean anything. You just have to have, you have to go through the lows to like experience the highs. Like that's my coach told me that a couple days ago. Um, And so, yeah, just having people who can be honest and, and give you like, at least for me, it's like, sometimes I forget to look at like the whole picture. So just having someone who can remind me to be like, okay, but now look at like how much you've improved in the past like couple of months, just because you don't see the day to day, like improvement does not mean that you're not improving. Just, I mean, climbing progression is not going to be linear, you know? So like when I see other people like struggling a bit, I think just being supportive and like reminding them who they are and because most times when people are struggling or like lacking confidence, like there's, they're still killing it. Like it's just in, in their mind kind of. So I think reminding people like how strong and how great of a climber they are. Yeah, totally. Um, You've mentioned pressure a little bit early in our conversation and I know some people really fall away from climbing because of the buildup of stress to perform. I know, I mean, I have friends that are everyday climbers who have fallen away from climbing because they just don't have fun anymore. Everything's too serious and they feel like the culture itself is inherently about pushing hard. And I mean, you've already mentioned needing to really enjoy climbing, especially climbing on lead to perform well. Um, But I'm also just interested about the way you speak about pressure on your social platform um, and kind of what you what you do to like find things that recharge you or cope with nerves. Yeah, I'd say in order to like recharge, I guess, I like try and take a step back from social media and like what people are saying. Um, Cause that's something that was like new for me this past year is like, I guess having people say like negative things, which can like really affect my performance or maybe not my performance, but can affect my head. And luckily I've been able to like stop it before it affects my performance greatly. But yeah, just like taking a step back from like other people who I don't know. And then just like hanging out with friends, I think always relieves stress and just, yeah, having having fun and like not just remembering how lucky I am to like be able to be competing and like living my dream I guess is really helpful yeah that makes a ton of sense um so you said that you really love the traveling aspect and the spending time with friends aspect of competition is there a particular comp that you remember because of the travel aspect I mean, kind of all of them. <laughs> They're all like every comp is just so different. And like last year, I remember we went to uh, Myringen, which was the first World Cup of the season. And that really just stood out to me because that was like the first time that 
we had traveled together as a team um or like I had never gotten to really do that before and it was like our first everyone's like first time traveling in a long time just because of COVID so it was really fun just to like go to a new country after not flying for like a year and a half and do it as a team and just like everyone was so supportive and it was only like my second international world cup so it was just cool to like be back I guess but older and wiser I guess (laughs) um yeah that really stood out to me and then just every competition in in Europe this past summer was I had so many memories and it just felt like so laid back and fun and low pressure which I loved so they were all very very special in their own ways it's hard to pick one yeah that sounds really incredible so are there some friends of yours that you literally only see during world cup season oh for sure (laughs) yeah I've sometimes talk to some of them or just like text them and it's like oh I can't wait like only two more months until the season starts but it's kind of crazy like how strong of a relationship you can build with people even if you're only seeing them for a few days like of the year um I think when you just have a passion that's so strong and you both have that passion it it makes it really easy to like relate to people and yeah, form those strong bonds. Yeah. So actually, I really wanted to ask you about this. Um, you have a somewhat iconic power friendship with Brooke Rabatou. Uh And I say power friendship in the way people say power couple because you both crushed and you're like this great friendship. So I'm interested in your perspective on finding and building climbing partnerships and community when you simu- simultaneously are competing. But also, I'm interested in you know, you had ABC to kind of create some of those friendships for you. But like, if you think about it in an abstract way, what's the secret ingredient? Like you didn't have to become fast friends with Brooke, right? So what's the secret for you for like finding those people that you really connect with? Yeah, I guess that's kind of hard. Like you kind of just like click with someone or you don't. And Or, like, even with training, like, I have some friends who, like, I love hanging out with them and, like, climbing with them. But when I'm, like, training, training, like, we're not the most compatible. Um, And so, yeah, there's a difference. And I think what's really special with Brooke is that we both just can push each other in such a good way. And, like, we're competitive with each other, but it's healthy competition. Versus sometimes with other people, it feels kind of like... Like, they, I don't know, like, they don't want me to do my best necessarily, or it's just too competitive, and, like, they're not able to be happy if the other person's successful, and so I think with Brooke, it's, like, at the end of the day, like, we always want the other person to do their best, and we're always proud of the other person, no matter who does better, so I think, yeah, just finding someone who like really cares about you as a person is a great start to finding a good climbing partner. So do you prefer training with people or do you prefer training alone? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I've actually been thinking a lot about this recently because I grew up like kind of just training on my own and 
my mom would just like take me to the gym. And then I moved to ABC, which was the opposite. And there were like 10 girls my age. Um, and the other day I was like, I'm going to go to the gym by myself. Like the last time I climbed just by myself was like a couple of months ago. Like I, I couldn't even remember when the last time I went to the gym by myself was. And I showed up at the gym and of course I saw like 10 people I knew. Like that's what happens when you live in Salt Lake. Like you just, I don't know, kind of know everyone. So it didn't entirely work out, but hmm. I kind of stuck with it and it was fun to like climb alone. And I think when you are having like those rough or like personally, um, like those rough weeks or right before competition, I normally like to climb alone just because it takes out like the social comparison aspect um, and just like allows me to really focus on myself and not what other people are doing. But normally I'd say I'd like to train with other people. It's more fun and it, it's inspiring. Like I love watching just like some of the strong dudes like do boulders and I'm just like, wow, like I want to be able to do that someday. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so kind of continuing to talk about the community element of the sport. You're a strong female climber surrounded by badass strong female climbers. Do you still experience times when climbing is still a male-dominated sport and, like, you really feel that? I would say recently um, I haven't really felt that. Just, like, where I train, I've been training a lot at, like, the U.S. Training Center. And there's actually, like, more girls than guys there, like, on a given day, which is awesome. And all the guys are, like, really supportive of the girls. And, like, if the girls are out climbing the guys, like, they think that's awesome. And they're like, wow. But sometimes, like, if you go to, like, a commercial gym and there's definitely, like, the bro culture and – I don't know, sometimes guys um, don't like it when girls, <laughs> when strong girls are like doing doing what they do and sending boulders. Um, but I just try to like remove myself from that situation. And like, it's not, it's just like reflecting who they are and it's not anything about me. So yeah, so this is kind of related, but um, and maybe sometimes beta spray is just beta spray, but have you ever been like not recognized and been in a gym and somebody just like tries to spray you down on something and you're just like, ah, silly. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but it's even just like some guys that I know, they, they like to like try and tell you how to do things and you're like, I kind of want to figure it out on my own. Like, I don't need you to tell me, but. Mm -hmm. it's okay I don't know it doesn't bother me too much um, mm -hmm. but I, I'm sure there are people who like struggle or like witness a lot more like unfortunate events but I've been really lucky lucky to just yeah have us like all the guys in my life are great who I climb with like they're all very supportive so definitely grateful for that cool um about beta spray in general is that like is there generally in the comp space an ethic of letting people figure it out or is sharing beta like pretty important to that culture like when you're in a competition 
Well, or well, clearly in a competition you can't do that, right? Well, sometimes you can. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. So, like, it, for lead climbing in qualifiers, like at World Cups and I think most competitions, you can watch other people climb, and so you can like give beta and just like help the other person out. And so for me, like, I love it when you know. Brooke or someone else is like, okay, like that hold was a little worse than I thought. So like, maybe you don't want to do that. Um, and luckily like everyone, I don't know, maybe you have to trust who you get your information from. Cause you don't want someone to like mess with you and be like, yeah, do that. And that's just not the way because sometimes people do that. And then like in uh, semis and finals, you get a route preview. And so you're able to read the climb with, other athletes and so for me it was really cool just to like sequence what I was going to do with like other people and I think just everyone has their own style so just even if I know that's not the beta I'm going to do just hearing what they're going to do and having that in the back of my mind um is very helpful but yeah sometimes people say things and you're like you're not doing that like don't lie to me <laughs> like so as we wrap up our conversation, um, I'm just interested. What should what do you think the climbing community should be talking about in 2022? That could be training. It could be mental status. It could be social issues. What should we be talking about? Um, I guess this is just fresh on my mind because I've been seeing it a lot lately is just overtraining. And so remembering and reminding yourself that it's okay to like – rest you know there's this like stigma and I'm not sure if that's just like in Salt Lake or if other people struggle with this but it's like oh you shouldn't take more than like one rest day you know or like more than two rest days and so I think just reminding yourself that it's okay to rest like you don't need to go to the gym twice a day every single day um just listening to your body and is important and I don't think that's talked about enough um I'm also just excited to see the younger just the next generation like continue to do well and it's exciting yeah okay so on a closing note give us a recommendation what's either a book we should read or a person to watch in the climbing space that listeners should look into I'd say someone I'm really excited to watch this season is Colin Duffy. Um, I mean, people kind of already know who he is. Like, he was in the Olympic final and everything. But he hasn't competed in a ton of World Cups. So I'm just excited to see, like, how he does. And I've known him since he was, like, eight or something. So it's just cool to see. Like, I know what he's capable of and – I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, and we're really excited to see what you're going to do this upcoming season. And I hope you have a lot of joy and excitement on the wall and not too much pressure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it was awesome talking to you today, Natalia. Thanks for sharing all your insights about trying hard and community and competing. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Today's show was hosted by me, Hannah Provo, and produced by Lauren Delaney Miller with help from Shane Johnson. 
To learn more about the American Alpine Club's annual benefit gala, where we will be honoring climbing award winners like Natalia Grossman, visit AmericanAlpineClub.org. Buy tickets or tune in for free on March 26th.